Hey, how's it going? All right. Welcome to episode four. Firstly, apologies for the lack of episodes in the last few weeks. It's actually, um, I should be mad at the moment. <laughs> she moved house twice within the space of three weeks, um, which is stressful enough as it is, and actually changed jobs as well. So, um, so I've had a lot going on. That's not to excuse the lack of um, podcasts, because I said I would do one every week, and it's been like three or four weeks now since I've done one. So now things have started to calm down a little bit. Uh, I'm going to get back to doing some stuff. So thank you to all the people that have showed appreciation in the infancy stages of me doing this little show. Um, I really appreciate that. Now it's going to like come back to normal just a little bit. Um, I've been away at the Open. Um, so in this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the um, stuff that was really, really cool about the Open that could hopefully add some value to you too. So if obviously if you watched the Open a bit, you would have hopefully appreciated the golf, like the golf course, found that there was some drama to it, to the climax of it and stuff and what have you. I'm going to talk about any of that. Um, it was just some of the experiences that I got from it that um, that you could sort of maybe learn from as well. So, um, firstly, like <laughs> I actually drove up to Scotland for the Open, which is eight hours with no traffic. So I drove up there. I left. I left Bournemouth at um, I think like one thirty, and I got there for like nine o'clock, which was actually pretty good. So that was quite a good little trip up. But oh my god, the drive back! So it took ten hours on the way back and loads of the 70 mile an hour speed limit roads were reduced to 30 miles an hour so I was blaring the radio at 2.30 in the morning trying to stay awake and then stopped over the petrol station to get a coffee and the coffee shop was closed I had to pay for petrol and then get a coffee so yeah I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced I'm ever going to do that again I think next time if I go to Scotland again for the open then I'm going to probably fly up and then hire a car because <laughs> driving <laughs> it's actually not great is it <laughs> it's not great um, but how nice is St Andrews? St Andrews is incredible. If you've, I've never been to St Andrews before, but it's actually been on my hit list for like practically my whole life. It's kind of like anyone that's into golf is going to appreciate that actually the home of golf is St Andrews. You need to go and experience not just the golf courses, but the whole community and that whole area as a town is just incredible. Okay, so it didn't let me down at all. I just fell in love with the place. Um, and the, the whole infrastructure of the Open is just incredible. So I stayed in Dundee, which is like 20 minutes outside of um, St. Andrews. It literally was no hassle getting into the car park, straight into the, straight into the Open. So they've done such a good job of like making uh, a really accessible, incredible event at St. Andrews. But the golf course, I mean, I actually didn't watch any of it on TV, but I saw a little bit on the big screen whilst I was at the Open. But it, TV does not do that golf course justice at all. Okay, so uh, when you look at it on TV, it does look relatively flat with the exceptions of the greens do look quite slopey. But the fairways are so undulating, not in terms of like how much up and down in terms of the gradient, but how those fairways just kind of roll into little hollows and stuff and what have you. So you could be bang in the middle of the fairway, but then you know, like a club golfer would have to sort of try and elevate, you know, a shot from say 170 yards out. You know, it's a good chance if they were at the bottom of that hollow, they could actually whack that straight into the lip of some of those hollows. It was really, really interesting to look at. And where it was kind of quite baked and what have you, the ball could just kind of roll and bounce and be very, very unpredictable. So it was it was amazing to see how that golf course, you know, it's not the longest, so it could get eaten up in terms of like the scoring and what have you. So some of the longer holes, they were hitting very, very short clubs into um, but the potential to like tuck the flags and the stuff away into like really, really difficult positions was, it was very high at that golf course. So just incredible backdrops of those hotels and the RNA building clubhouse and all the grandstands. It's just unbelievable. So I was up there for, um, representing the PGA at the swing zone, the sw <laughs> swing zone and doing some coaching for a week. So myself and 20 other golf pros, we're giving golf lessons to 
anybody that wants them that's um like a paying customer for tickets um through the door which was really really cool um but like last year it was like it was because of covid in my view it was pretty much more of a small scale event this was like a full scale world event which is just unbelievable you got people coming like from all over the world now so i was giving a high percentage of golf lessons to people from different countries and i would say as much as 30 to 40 percent of my lessons that i gave were to people from the united states of america and i've got to say <laughs> i've got to say how amazing are the people from america they were just so so cool and appreciative of everything that we did okay so they were getting a free free golf lesson i'm gonna butcher this but a lot of them were like oh my god <laughs> They were just like so, so appreciative for the free lessons that we were giving them. I had this guy from Alabama, really, really, really cool dude, American footballer. And um, he had terrible grip. He was fanning the face open. Handle was pointing really low, pointing at his knees. And he'd kind of like take it back, whip it inside, lift it up with the arms, cut across it with no power. So I gave him some advice. Got his grip a little bit better. Got his handle height better. Got him taking it away a little bit better. Got him rotating a little bit. He went, God damn it, David. <laughs> that straight up and down got to be the best bit of goddamn advice I've ever had up in here. I was just like, oh my God, this is brilliant. I love it. It was like being in a movie. So America, I applaud you. Like everybody that I saw for that, that week was just incredible. And I can't believe how appreciative people were. I had a few Australians as well. And they were just like incredible. I had a few people over from Asia as well. And it was just so, so nice. And that's not to say that like the English and the Scottish and the Welsh weren't appreciative of the whole of thing. It was just um, interesting to see how the other nations kind of engaged with what we were trying to do there. Um, so we were just trying to promote golf, essentially, and get people um, involved and um, inspired to play more, but also try and get them a little bit better. Okay, so that was kind of the whole purpose of, of, of the whole thing. Nick Faldo, if you are new to golf, you might not know Nick Faldo, but Nick Faldo is a seven-time I think seven, like major, seven time major winner. So he came into the swing zone and he gave a few golf lessons as well. So we went into um, everybody's bay and then gave on a little bit of um, advice to a few people about their techniques as well, which was really, really good. He tried to keep things really, really simple, gave them some um, sort of swing advice for life almost, which is cool. So we went into everybody's bay. He didn't come into my bay, actually, interestingly. He probably was like, okay, Dave, well, you know what you're doing now. <laughs> He was like, <laughs> he just kind of left me to it. But he went into everybody else's bay and did a, a few lessons. But he didn't bother mine. So never mind, Nick. It's all good. Um, so yeah, so that so that was really really cool. As um part of the swing zone, what I um I had the opportunity to um with my pass to actually get onto the um the tournament players range as well. So that was cool. So I had a um opportunity to get up really really close to Tiger Woods and watch Tiger Woods hit balls. And it was a shame to see that he couldn't really walk very well and he didn't make the cut. But his golf swing was incredible. He was he was hitting drivers like a little low cut off of what about the height of like a red castle tee. And it was just incredible to watch. So, so good. Um, and he was hitting it off of a really, really high tee as well and trying to hit these high bombing drivers. It's just so, so impressive to watch. I have seen him play before, but not from that close up. So we're talking only sort of like six or seven paces away from watching him hit it. So it was just, yeah, really, really, really cool to see. And then... Um, so that was a bit of a highlight for me. We wanted to get onto like the um like the the actual main range where all the where all the tournament players were. So I got to see some really really good golfers there. Meet up with a few friends that were sort of swing coaches as well. Actually, coach on the tour. So that was kind of nice. It made me feel kind of quite part of it, which was really 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 cool. Um. So one of one of the things I want to try and add a little bit of value for, hopefully, is just like watching the tour players interact with just their coaches and some of their camaraderie that are around them but also um, 
how they were practicing. Okay, so it's right before a tournament. So they're not going to really go through swing changes, but they've all got their coaches there and stuff. I appreciate that they're not going to be trying to change their swing too much. But it was kind of like um, the way they were hitting their golf balls. They didn't hit. I mean, I'm sure they do hit a high volume of golf balls in their practice when they're not at tournaments. But they were hitting a ball with such a high level of intent. They were hitting this shot as if it really, really counted. And then they'd like swan around and like chat for like a minute before they'd hit like another ball. So the frequency of the golf balls was very, very low. Now, I appreciate that if you have limited time and you're doing a full nine to five job and you're busy and stuff and whatever, then maybe if you've got 50 balls at the range and it's going to take you about five hours to hit them. Yeah, obviously that's not good. But one thing I would take from it is just watching them hit it. Every single ball carried a weight of expectation, which is um, important, I would suggest. So if you went to the range, say, twice a week, why don't you have a, a session where you go and hit loads and loads of balls and train technique, drill technique and fly through them a little bit quicker. But then um, when you're coming up to sort of near an important competition date and time and stuff and whatever, you'd like the way you would practice maybe is a little bit more how these tour pros practice. And then every single shot, they were picking new targets and, and new trajectories and new lines and stuff. And I think that um, is a is a much much better strategy actually going forward to um, actually improve your golf as a whole because just whacking ball nearly we nearly after another where they don't really mean a lot you think oh yeah that was good that was good that was crap that was good <laughs> I think you know just every single shot you know trying to image the golf course thinking right if I hit it left here I'm in the pond if I hit it right here I'm out of bound that's kind of the strategy that they were going with so less balls less frequency more time in between. Obviously, when we play golf, we have those big breaks in between hitting shots. So they're kind of mimicking the golf course scenario just much, much more with their visualisation and the time between shots. So if I could give you one bit of advice from what I saw at the range, that would be it. Also, one tiny final bit of advice, not so much advice, but a recommendation. If you've not been to a live golf event before, try and get to one because the, the atmosphere is incredible. When you hear the roars from the crowds and you get to see some of these players, particularly like in some of the practice days where there won't be roars from the crowd, but you can get really, really close to the players and you can see all they do and the, the calm that they have about everything that they do in uh, their routine and their club selection and everything about it is just under control. So hopefully if you kind of watch that for real, you could really soak that up and try and get that into your into your game. But the most important thing of all, I would suggest here, this is, this is cool, I think you're going to like this, <laughs> is that um, go and meet your Instagram friends. Because uh, there's people that I've chatted to for a few years on Instagram and never ever met. And a lot of them I have met. And everybody I've met on Instagram up until this point, have been exactly how I've imagined them to be. I've had no letdowns whatsoever. And this was a really good networking opportunity for me to go and meet some people that I've engaged with for a period of time over um, over Instagram and just sort of chatted about golf stuff and whatever. And I've met a few people at the Open and I was looking forward to meeting and I've met them and they're exactly how I imagined them to be. So Whilst everyone's sort of kind of saying these days, oh, people don't have real relationships, everything's on the internet and stuff and what have you. Some of these people that I've chatted to, it's like I've known them for years when I met them for real. So if you go to a golf event, arrange to meet up some, some of your social media pals, because honestly, like the, the community that's within golf is so, so strong and so cool. And, you you know, meeting them for real as well is, is just a really, really, really good experience. And I can't wait to meet more people through that platform for real also. So in review, try and get onto the ballot for the Open next year. It's at Hoylake, which is Royal Liverpool Hoylake. Um, incredible golf course. 
from what I can gather, it's not bad for spectators as well to kind of um, get a real good gauge of um, how to, to to view the the players and stuff and what have you, and an incredible venue also. So get yourself in that ballot for the Open because it's such a good opportunity, not just to meet your Instagram pals, but also to watch some golf and, and mingle and experience the full Open experience. Cool. Thanks for listening. Episode 5 coming up, as promised. Guests. <laughs> I've got some guests coming. I've got some guests coming up, so get your eyes peeled for that, alright? Cool. Catch you later.